Welcome to the Lion's Den with Seth, a podcast where progressive men and women can learn and teach each other the ways of the land. The Lion's Den is where royalty comes to counsel. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Seth. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Happy Corona Files. How you digging out there? Y'all staying safe? You washing your hands, staying out of people's face? Hopefully, and you're not rolling around in your car with your mask on like you go get yourself sick, sick. Hopefully, but anyway, want to holler at everybody that's in the den. We got a great show today. We got a good show. Larry, how you feeling, bro? Hey man, I'm feeling. I'm I'm ready. I'm antsy. Like let's get it going. I know <laughs> you in it. Hey, so look, why why are you so interested about this show? I don't know. I think they just pulling out some energy right now to me. I don't know what it is. They ain't even said much at all. So I just got a feeling about today. Mental health, man, is something we don't talk about enough, especially in our culture. So I'm just curious to see what they bring into the table and what they're going to tell us, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can dig that. Yeah, me too. Me too. I know it's going to be a lot of um, great discussions and it might be some feelings hurt, but it's good, you know, because we're here with family, but we're supposed to be able to be honest with each other. You know what I'm talking about? Will, what's popping, dog? What's going on, man? Fresh off the job. And this is no way in representation of the United States Air Force. I'm acting on my own behalf. But looking forward to the show, man. I think we're going to get some amazing testimonies from our guest today, man. I'm looking forward to it, brother. I will say, hey, let's get it, man. Let's get it. Hey, so, hey, I appreciate the way you had to put that disclaimer on out there. You know what I mean? You could easily said you was going trick-or-treating just the wrong month. But it's all right. You put it out there. Didn't nobody care. Hey, Herm, what's up, bro? How you feeling, brother? Man, what's going on, man? My kids downstairs vacuuming and crap. So <laughs> I told them, hey, when I'm doing a show, there's no talking. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, I got to echo what Larry's talking about. Mental health is something that's been like a trigger word here recently. But it's like nobody really talks deep into, you know, why is it important? And I'm hopefully, and I believe that today that we are going to get into that. And talking about the more intimate details about mental health and provide that for the listeners. So yes. I'm excited for it. Yeah, man, me too. Me too. Foots, what's up, man? You good? With the yeah, spirit. What, what you good. got? What you what, what kind of jersey is that? What did it what did it say? So, hey man, check me out, man. I'm doing I'm starting something different. I'm gonna go ahead and represent where I'm from. Like every week on the show now. Just doing something different. So tonight I got on the, the spirit of St. Louis, being I'm in St. Louis in the loop, got the most Malone on. So that's where I'm at with it. Shout out to everybody in the loop tonight, MIA, Detroit, Clarksville, Tennessee. Always. We 313. Mm-hmm. That's it. You can stop. Here. You can stop right there. 313. That's oh. most important. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but no. But, yeah, no. but for real, this is a real, real topic. It, it affects a lot of people, um, and it affects families. It affects the people that don't realize they have that mental issue. So I'm very looking forward to this conversation that we're about to have with these young queens on here tonight. Indeed, indeed. So I have the privilege and the honor to introduce uh, one of our guests, the first guest. We have two, but Miss Dr. Dr. You know what? I'm going to say it with, with, with my chest. Dr. Harris. Okay. Miss Harris, she she's from Philly, right? Born and raised in Philly. And she's an education and development resource counselor. All right. And she has her own business doing this. And she's also 
also an Air Force vet. And we most gratefully appreciate that. All right. So she's done that and she has her uh, she has her doctors in, in, in education and leadership, like I said earlier. And she helps small businesses and large businesses um, get it in. And she served as a teacher, educator, just great all around great sister. So I want to welcome to the Lions Den, Miss Yvette, Dr. Harris. Hi, everyone. Thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this conversation and this evening. So thank you very much. All right on. Go ahead, Herm. Hey, saying I also have the great, great honor to introduce to our fan, our, our followers, uh, licensed professional counselor, Sharita Shelby, who has about 20 years of experience in this field and has done everything from walking the street, city streets of St. Louis to the guide and counsel the, the kids, the at-risk people on the streets of St. Louis. And as y'all know, that is not an easy thing to do, to be able to go out there and do that on the ground at ground level, to also be able to uh, do it at a professional level as well with uh, corporate offices and, and businesses, things of that nature. She does a lot of community work, and she's also author her own self. So welcome to the show, LPC, Miss Sharita Shelby. All right, all right. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, all right, all right. Hey, so real quick, what that uh what's your shirt say, ma'am? Black therapists matter. Don't you? <laughs> yes, yes, love it, love it. Okay, so y'all, ladies and gentlemen, if y'all just tuning in, we're about to talk about why mental health matters, why it's while it's so important, not just within our community, but just in general. Okay, so first thing first, Miss Harris, Dr. Harris, uh, we had the privilege to go through the, the book of uh, this, the uh, the woman behind the mask. Right. And you have a section in there and uh, the brothers, the den, they had a, an opportunity to read that. And what I would like to do is start off by asking you, what made you want to share your story that way? You know, for me, it was about the transparency. If if I can't be transparent about what has kept me in the past from moving forward, if I can't tell my story, I can't help anyone else who may be suffering and has not told their story to, to, to come out and tell it. And as a Black woman, um, because mental health therapy, there is such a stigma behind it, I felt like I needed to talk about my issues around my own mental health as an educator, one who was taught as a counselor, although, although I'm not a clinical counselor, as a counselor, I needed to be able to be as transparent as possible, putting it out there so that others might then say, you know what, if she did it, so can I. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's very, uh-oh. I muted myself. My bad. I muted myself. But anyway, absolutely. It's extremely important because sometimes when you're going through things, no matter what it is, you feel like you're going through it by yourself. Right. And to be able to read something to see that someone else have went through the same thing that can it, it resonates with you and you, you feel a, a small sense of connection with that individual. So I applaud you for that. Seriously. Hey, Larry, look, since since you so so happy, happy about this, brother, what did you think about the story, man? What was your thoughts? Oh, man, I read it and I was like, 
I didn't know what to think at first because I know you was talking about you was being like an eight year old. It's almost like you was like uh, having an out of body experience or something. It was like you know I'm forty some odd years old, but I feel like I'm still an eight year old. And I know what the metaphor you was talking about is being hard to let go because you haven't not let go. You haven't let go of the past. You still is within you. So I would like to know just. Can you speak on that for some of the folks that are maybe watching in the audience that still is tied to something traumatic in their childhood that they're still carrying on to this day? Um, exactly right, Larry. Um, in the 70s, I'm, I'm born in the 60s, raised in the 70s. Uh, my traumatic experience of being molested, we didn't talk about that. We just didn't talk about it. It, it Like it is like it's open now, so to speak. And so I literally hid that secret for over 30 years. Um, and it was, um, as we were talking before the, the show began, it was something that, that resilience kicked in that just said, now's not the time, just keep moving through life and you'll be all right. Unfortunately, I didn't know or understand as an eight-year-old that it was going to affect me for all those years and the different ways that it was going to come out. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was time to tell, it was time to tell the truth of myself and in order to be able to get the help that I needed. Mm, wow. Again, that's extremely, extremely commendable. So how do you feel about the title? Because I, it resonated with me. And I'm sure a lot of our viewers out there, the, 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 the title of wearing the mask, you know, and where you have to put on this face, you have to hold this, this, this facade, right, as far as who you are, not necessarily who you are, but how you want people to perceive of you. You, you get what I mean? So exactly. what do you think about that title alone? Like, do you still, well, prior to that, you felt as though you had to wear that mask, right? So when did you feel as though it was okay to take it off? Take it off. Well, you know, the, the title of the book is The Woman Behind the Mask. The title of my chapter is not just my story. And, and there's definitely an intersection with that. Wearing the mask was... It's not just covering up my face, my dress, um, my demeanor, uh, my relationships. In every area of my life, I wore a mask. And I didn't begin to take it off until 2008 when I made the decision that to, get some, to seek help. That's when the mask began to come off. I had an excellent, um, an excellent therapist. Uh, and Dr. Gloria Morrow, and she began to help me and give me strategies to unpeel those layers mm -hmm. and to pull back that onion to get to that core. And then the reason I say it's not just my story is the reality of it. I'm not the only black woman or the only woman who has been through this. And so, I, like I said, I just needed to get it out. The mask it took time because when you're used to dressing a certain way, I had to get a whole new wardrobe. I had to slowly begin. I changed the way I wore my hair in that process um, just to get me through. I didn't know at the time that going natural was going to get me through this mental breakdown. Um, the, the, the demeanor going from a woman who rarely smiled to one who could smile 
and just the entire transformation of my personality over the next five to six years was going to be key in allowing me to now step into entrepreneurship. I don't, I believe that if I had not sought therapy, if I had not come from behind that mask, that I would be what I am today. Awesome. Wow. 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 And ladies and gentlemen, if you guys are just tuning in, we're talking about mental health and why it matters. All right. It really does matter. But this is extremely, extremely uh, great topic. And I want you guys to chime in, hone into this. OK, because it's essential, especially in this time where we are right now in the quarantine. Anything can happen. And if there's things that you have been avoiding due to whatever, saying it's been, you know, hustling bustle or I got to worry about the kids, got to do this. Now is the time you really have to face those things that's been, you know, worrying you. So it's better for you to handle it at level three before it get to 10 and you too turned up to really deal with it. That's just my suggestion. I'm not an LPCQ. I forget what it is, ma'am. It don't matter. We're going to get back to you. But her, go ahead, bro. What you got? So, actually, Larry, Larry took my, my question about the, the eight-year-old things. That really did intrigue me. But I remember reading it that you, it said right there is when you knew that you needed to get some help. So, can you talk about, you know, the, the vulnerability that you felt when you first initially started to go get help? Like, how was you feeling um, when you went there knowing that you're about to expose yourself to get this help? That's you a know, great question. It's a, it's a great question, especially for those who um, may be saying, I know I need to get to therapy, but I don't want to have to open up or I don't want to have to repeat what happened. A good therapist will know how to draw it out of you without revitalizing that trauma. Um, that said, you need to be your most authentic self that you possibly can be in order to begin the process to feel better. If you want to go in and I only want to talk about this or I only want to talk about that, then you're only going to get that much help. That's the reality. And, and one of the things I do, I do want to say is that was my, my first real therapy experience. I, I have a therapist on speed dial I go to therapy for a checkup, just like you take your car in for a tune-up. But now I, I know when something happens, I can call and get an appointment versus waiting over time for it to, to continue to, um, to well up in me. Um, Seth, we're, we're John Maxwell trainer, coaches, and speakers. We don't want that resentment to come in and block us from being able to help our clients. Absolutely. You know what? I'm glad you said that because it took me to receive therapy to realize that I was blocking my own blessings. You feel me? I was blocking my own blessings because there was things that I didn't want to deal with and that I felt too ashamed to deal with either pride, ego, whatever you call it. And for ladies and gentlemen, if you guys are just tuning in, we're talking about mental health. And I also would like to say, because you, you, you said something that made some sense as far as getting a tune up. Hey, if something is wrong with your transmission, you are not going to a foot doctor. You dig it? So make sure you go to where you need to go to get the right thing fixed. And so we're going to trans over, uh, transition real quick over to Miss Sarita. Sharita. Okay. So, uh, ma'am, I know that you are extremely busy, especially in our community. 
right? Now, how do you, to, you know, doctor's point, draw individuals out, but also without uh, exposing too much or, or having them feel vulnerable, if you can speak on that? Well, I think anytime you enter into therapy, it's a process. So I always tell people to trust the process because I know many times people go one time and say, it didn't do nothing for me. I'm good. Well, it couldn't do nothing for you. The first session is all about assessment. It's really about meeting you. It's about kind of seeing what brought you in versus why you need to be there, which sometimes for us is two different things, right? So sometimes what brought me in is my My spouse says I need therapy, but what I need to be there for is some things in my past that I haven't explored myself. So it's a very vulnerable process. And so, you know, for me, I just let the process happen and I ask them to trust me to help them get through the process because it it takes time. It's no, you know, everybody is different. There are some people that come out guns blazing with their problems and what they need. And then there's some (laughs) people that just sit there at times, look at me and I look at them, but they're also trying to gauge Am I open to their vulnerability? Because I say I have to deal with their vulnerability in order for them to get better and for them to get the support they need. Absolutely. And I would I would admit that uh, not just in my position, but in I'm sure with a lot of uh, the listeners or individuals that haven't uh, received that type of help. It's that trust. That trust factor has to be there. Right. Because I believe we're so apprehensive of getting that help that we just shun anyone. And it takes some time. Right. We got to maneuver mm-hmm. away. Now, you're saying the right words. Wait, are you really who you say you are? You get what I mean? And so we go through all that instead of doing what we have to do to get help. And that takes time. Herm, what you got, bro? So my question is from a, a counselor standpoint about like like your your mental health and, and how you feel. Uh, us being in the military, all of us with military experience and reaching higher levels, we've always had like like troops that come and tell you their problems all the time, right? And after a while, even us, you know what I'm saying, that we're not trained to handle all that stuff for real, for real, it starts to wear on you when everybody keeps bringing negative stuff to you all the time. And that's your job. That's your That's your job is for people to bring you their problems. How does that wear on you and what do you do to maintain yourself to make sure that you're good to go for the next client to come in and also good to go for yourself? Multiple, um, I think, levels to that. So one, I'm big on my own self-care and I know when I need it. It's kind of like all of us need to know that gauge. It's like uh, Yvette said, kind of like I know when I'm not in a good place. I know I can kind of feel exhaustion, mental exhaustion when I'm listening coming up anybody that knows me knows I love to vacation like I'm a vacation fanatic and people say why do you want to run away and it's not really run away it's just for me to be clear about me a space that is not one that I'm in every day so self-care is that sometimes I talk to other therapists because I need to bounce ideas thoughts empathy lack thereof because sometimes we can get fatigue we've heard so many stories over 15 years sometimes you just kind of like okay okay but you need to kind of talk to other people to get back engaged with that and just kind of saying you're right just checking in on that empathy level and so it's a process though and 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 all therapists really should see a there at some point and i've done that as well because sometimes when you are a therapist by profession you turn into a therapist in your family, with your friends, in all circles. And so that can get kind of heavy. And you, so sometimes you need to talk you know, with somebody yourself. I was going to say something. Um, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, since, like, what do you do 
during this whole quarantine, right? Because you can't really travel like you want to to kind of chill on out. So what do you do? Like you just look at your phone, and you kind of screen them like, all right, look, I can't deal with that right now. You feel me? Like, what do you do since you you're, you can't go where you want to go? So for me, music has always been therapy. Ha! So I, I say it. I had to go back to the nine nines in the two thousands and kind of wait, think about no, wait, time. no, wait. <laughs> listen. All right, all right. Now she's talking about backing that ass up. Nope, we ain't gonna do that. No, hey, Larry, that. yes, you did for the nine nine in two thousand. I, I heard it. I heard it. No, I heard it. I heard it. No music for the nine nine in two thousand. And honestly, I think, I know people would overrate this, but I really think you need to go outside and breathe in the air. Yeah. I feel like it's something lethargic, of, you know, something beautiful about just saying, especially with the world, it seems like outdoors is the scary place now. And so I find the exact opposite. I actually go outdoors to remind me that life is still going, the sun, the sun still rises and sets, the world is still going no matter what. And my feet are on the ground and I'm in it. So sometimes just some people sit out on their porch more. Some people to go get on car rides and roll the windows down. Like sometimes I just need to step outside of my home just to understand the gravity of the world, which is the fact that it is still going, COVID-19 or not. Awesome. And that makes a lot of sense. Hey, Larry, what you got, brother? No, you're not. You well, muted. I mean, there we you go, go. Here we go. Here we go. Don't mm-hmm. worry about me. I got this. Sarita, mm-hmm. I got like a two-part question for you, ma'am. One, I'm always interested to know how people decide to do what they do, such as you being a therapist, a counselor. And then two, let's talk about the taboo amongst our culture when it comes to venting or talking to a therapist. So like me, if I have issues, you know, I'm like, ah, I ain't going to see no therapist, but I'll talk amongst my crew. It's still venting, right? And it's still seeking some sort of information. But let's talk about why it is amongst our culture. We just like, we not going to see a therapist. We we don't want to do it. Yeah, because honestly, look, Larry owed me a check for real. All right. You know what I mean? <laughs> but no, but for real, to his point, what, what, what would you say about that as far as us avoiding therapy? Well, I think we avoid therapy because we've identified in our culture that strength is equated to dealing with it and holding it in. And obviously that is completely wrong. To our uncles, our great, you know, we always say, oh, she's strong. She she kept going when actually strength is to say, you know what, I'm not in a good place. I need, I need to talk to somebody. And the thing about talking to your friends, it's different to vent. You can vent to anybody. You can just talk openly to anybody. But a counselor is a different level of relationship. It's venting with feedback. It's venting with authenticity. It's venting with professionalism behind it. Because, you know, your cousin, as great as she is, she has not been trained. She does not have 20 years worth of experience. She does not know how to listen. And she already knows you. And so she's not really being objective about what you might need to move forward. And I think that's what a counselor provides objectivity, because I'm glad that I, my therapist doesn't know anybody that I know, because it helps me be easily more, uh, allows myself to be more vulnerable with, with, with the counselor. There you go. That's a good point. Because the thing is, man, when you talk to your boys, man, sometimes asses, man, you want, you want to go whoop their ass? And they don't give you know? good advice. <laughs> hey, All but, thing my counselor is going to tell me that. Hey, but, but you know what, don't harm to that point, though, sometimes that's what you need to do, right? Anyway, hold on. That's not right. Y'all that's watching right now, y'all ain't hear that. It's a num num juice. Hey, Foots, 
Go ahead, brother. You on? What you got? So, what do you say to the folks that are uh, the individuals that are afraid to come forward about their mental issues? That's a good question. Hey, and that's also for for you too, doctor. What what do y'all think? And go ahead. I'll let you uh, answer first, uh, Sarita. What would you say? I say take the first step like you do anything else that's important in your life. I always tell, especially I will be honest, African-American males, I say, come see me one time. And if it's the worst experience you have, you don't ever have to come back. And they always come back because how long has it been since somebody asked them how they were doing, listened to what they had to say, validated the way that they felt. And most of the time when you have that experience, you say, you know what, I'm going to come back. And I know so many people come to me and go, dang, I should have done that 20 years ago. My life would have went in a totally different direction. Absolutely. And I absolutely agree. Yeah. What, what you got, Yvette? You know, for awesome. me, for all the things that that we do, parents, spouse, employee, sister, auntie, grandparent, all, all of that, to be able to go somewhere and talk to a person that doesn't know you in any of those roles that, like they say, what, what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas, that you can leave it all there on that sofa and walk out. And you don't have to worry about it being on social media. How about that? You don't have to worry about somebody calling somebody and saying, yes, you know that event. You know, I'm, I ain't one to gossip, but. You ain't heard it from me, right? If you, if you, if you tell them, I'm going to deny it. To, to be able to leave it with somebody, like I said, that's not going to pass judgment, but that's going to actually give you some strategies and some resources to help you be the best person and live your best life, you you can't you can't beat it. Right. You can't beat it. And and in this and in this day and age with all this going on, not only in society but in black society, we need somebody on the outside. Yes. You need. Woo! Look, you said a word for real. Hey, Will, you ready? What you got, brother? Uh, first off, thank you to both of you ladies for being on. Dr. Harris, I fairly, I really enjoy your read, and the age of eight years old is really significant to me, first and foremost. And, and to my sister, Sarita, hey, I'm a St. Louis native, so thank you for what you do, right? So my question is, is when we talk about lifelong trauma, what do you both of you guys do to try to connect and reach those children and their parents in some cases before those lower age traumas become lifelong memories and lifelong habits? Your cursor. Real good question. Go ahead, Sharita. What you got? Multiple levels. Anytime a parent calls me about their child, I always say, first, ma'am, I need to meet with you a time or two because I'm sorry. Our kids are the result of our good choices and our poor choices. There you go. I'm glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that. Hold on. (laughs) Do me a favor. Hold on one minute. First of all, I got to say this. Message. That was a message. Number one. <laughs> Number two, say it one more time for those in the back because they may not understand that. You trying to, wait, let me paraphrase it. You trying to send your child in because you think they out of line. Where do you think they get that out of line-ness from? You feel me? There, you have to take some type of ownership. You feel me? You have to. But go ahead. Let me, let me you the doctor. And it's not judgment. It's just that if we've been toxic for generations, you passed on some of the toxic past of, you, of your past to your children, whether you know it or not. So for sure, I, I start with the parent. I always tell them that they say, no, but something wrong with him. 
And I say, no, let's start talking about you. And then I will get to the, to him. So, you know, one of the, that's, so that's the first thing, start with the parents. The second thing is I just build a rapport with young people so that they can be honest with me. There's no way you can work through trauma if you don't feel like you're in an atmosphere where you can be yourself. I love young people. I love teenagers. That's my favorite group. I, I love their feistiness, their, their, they can't wait to grow up, but they fighting that inner kid in them and they're evolving into they, who they want to be. And I want to be there right as they begin to evolve and start creating the young people that they'll, the, the men and women that they'll grow up to be. So for me, trauma is important, especially in our community, because we have more trauma than I have ever seen of people that experience trauma and keep saying, that's okay. Oh, that's no big deal. It is a big deal to have had seven African-American men in your family be killed or murdered. That's a big deal. You know that's what, a big deal to have generations yeah. without fathers. or that, yes. That's a big deal. Like, that is trauma. It's not just it being molested. That's trauma. It's not like, that's sorry that happened to you at six. That's trauma. And all of that, we carry around always kind of like Erica ba- Badu bag lady. I always tell people, you got a lot of bags yeah. on your back. Absolutely. And some of those you need to unload. And that's kind of what we're here for. Yeah, absolutely. So. And, and I do commend you. I commend you for that. And you too, Yvette, because you are an educator and being able to talk to our youth or to anyone, you are very transparent when it comes down to the help that you, you know, that you received. And, and that's, that's great. And I really do appreciate the fact that, Sharita, what you said was getting that help. Understand that the things that you go through is not natural. You feel me? It's not natural. There's some shit that we all go through. Realize that that's not life. It may be a part of life, but that's not life. You have to deal with it. And listen, I am a a huge um, uh, supporter of different groups, uh, different spiritual, you know, religious. I, I, I I can dig that. But listen, you can't pray that sickness in my mind away without help. True help. Right. Pay for pray for that professional. Okay. also pray for yourself to have your thoughts in your mind open to receive this type of information you did, because other than that, you're you're blocking back to the point. You're blocking your blessing. You're for real blessing. You feel me? Herm, what you got, bro? Hey, so switching because Doc talked about today, today's times and stuff like like that. So with today's time, we're going through COVID. We're on lockdown. You are seeing a therapist now, right? You say you see him every now and then. You got one on speed dial. Yeah. How, how do you feel? How do you are you still feeling like you're getting the same support um, now that we're on lockdown? And how are you dealing with that? And same question for you, uh, Sharita. Like for your for your people that see you, do you think that you're able to reach them in the same way over virtual virtual uh, means? So, so one of the first things that I did when we first began this whole sheltering in place after about a week or two, um, I actually sent a message to my therapist and said, Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm okay. Um, and, and she came back and said, good. And part of the two reasons, two, three reasons why I was okay. Number one, um, I am a woman of faith and, and like says, said, it's not something that you just, okay. Just take it away. One of the names of Jesus is the wonderful counselor. So therapy happened back then. Therapy began in biblical times. So obviously if he was counseling, he was doing some stuff. And for me, because of the strategies and resources I had received when I was in therapy 
actively, I was able to implement them in my life. I can journal. Um, like, like Sharita said, I music. I am old school 70s. Hey, hey now. Okay. <laughs> so that when you can't. I'm old school 70s, and, and I will tell Alexa to turn on something, turn on Pandora, and I'll have my own party. Um, cooking for me is, a, is therapy. So I was in here stirring pots and just making it work. I did the things, journaling, you know, praying. All of that is what keeps me at a high, vibrating at a high frequency. It love, gratitude, joy, peace. That's what keeps me going. Um, but at the same time, there's some people I'm like, you know what? You might want to call your therapist right now. You know, I'm also an ambivert. So to not be in, to not be called to go to the this, to the event, to the networking, to the party, I'm like, oh, I'm home alone. Yes, nobody's calling me except when they want some help. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's been good for me. But don't, there have been a couple days where it's like, hmm, do I need to make that call? Or can I utilize one of my strategies? Because I know that my therapists are working 24-7. So can I deal with this on my own or do I need to make that call? Now, I will see her when we come out because there's some things that I've uncovered about self being in here. And let's go ahead and have some conversations for right now. That's good. All right. To you, Ms. Sherita. So my current position is I am a therapist for the United States Post Office. Oh, wait, and hold on. So, wait, wait a minute. They getting it, ain't they? Goodness gracious. Die. Well, I'm not going to tell. We don't use that. Oh, wait, wait, yeah, that's right. Stop it. Will. However, 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 I was with that the same shit, said, <laughs> they're essential workers. So mm-hmm. they didn't get an option to stay at home or anything. You all have been ordering mail. They said it's been busier than Christmas. And so they also have been putting their lives at risk when things were very uncertain. So for me, therapy actually did not (laughs) decrease. We had a massive increase because people were like, you know, should I go to work? Am I exposing my family by coming home? It was so many unknowns. There was no way even for the post office to be prepared for this massive volume of everybody ordering because we still work with Amazon. We still work with a lot of people that people don't know. It's not just the regular mail. We touch every house every day. And so with that being said, we're essential. So the work I do is even more essential. So for me, um, we have been doing video counseling, which we had honestly before COVID-19. We have video. We even have text therapy. We are doing it over the phone. And honestly, people actually are appreciating the fact that they can call during the daytime and talk that they actually, I I think after COVID-19, I think more people actually will be open to video counseling because I think there is something about looking in somebody's face. I, I love the phone counseling, but I feel that there's energy shared when I'm looking at you and you looking at me. Plus for me, I can read people better about where they're coming from if I can see their face. So for us, I've been essential. The college volume has not been down. I also see some kids in foster care. So I've been Zooming with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we do exercises, deep breathing, yoga over the video, just everything that really I was doing face-to-face is just with obviously a, a little bit of limitation. So nothing has stopped for me. Well, that's good. I, I got I to gotta follow up real quick, oh, oh, Hold on, just, hold on, hold on, brother. Hold on, hold on. Hold that thought because you know what time it is, don't you? Oh, yeah. You already know. Man, listen, I'm going to tell y'all about my therapy. Look here, look at that screen. Y'all ever heard of Kevlar's Grill? 
Yes, if you haven't, you're about to hear about it now. Listen, right outside the Air Force Base, Scott Air Force Base, as a matter of fact, they got the best food on this side of the Mississippi, straight up and down. And they also have the gratitude box, if y'all don't know what that means. That means you can go and order there to actually give food to first responders or individuals that are uh, essential workers, okay? But they have great food, great food. Look at the fish and shrimps and steak, and it's awesome. They have the Grubhub, and you can pick up in side as well so the grub hub is 25 miles radius and they are open seven days a week and you can contact them 618-416-5700 that's inside the scott vfw post 4183 can i get a right on a right on and there it is like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now The Lion's Den podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. So go ahead, Herman. What you got, brother? So through the conversation, I think the word crazy was used. And uh, Who said said crazy? Was was crazy you? No, it was poster. It was poster. All right, me and Sharita talked offline about the word crazy and mm-hmm. what it means, especially in our community. And I wanted to ask her, you know what I'm saying, so so people could hear, like, when people when you hear the word, like, man, that person is crazy, do you think that that's part of the stigma of why people don't want to come talk to a counselor? Absolutely, and I have really worked over the last, well, because I've been up close to this, so I don't even try to use that in my vocabulary anymore because I just, when, when those of us in the community are t- talking about somebody who's who is crazy, what we normally mean is somebody who's emotional, sporadic, doesn't make good life choices, always involved in something that, you know, it really has really, when you think about it, it has very little to do with their mental health. People who who need counseling or talk to a counselor or even a psychiatrist, because I used to work with people who had schizophrenia, who people would quote call crazy, but they don't even display a lot of that emotional sporadic behavior. So really that's just a local community word. And, but I think it keeps us from going there because they say, I ain't crazy. Well, I'm not judging if you're crazy because I think that's the wrong word, but I think most of us could benefit from talking to a professional within a lifetime. I always tell people, if you can get through a whole lifetime and never talk to a therapist, you should be my therapist. Mm. So that means life must be great for you. I can dig it. So listen, before we go, I got you, Larry. But before we go on, I want to make sure that we give a special shout out to our watchers and the viewers out there and the listeners out there. And uh, brother Christian Alden, he made a good point as far as being able to receive. He wished he received this uh, counseling earlier on in his life and in his you know his career because growing up with so many different issues or social issues it's kind of hard to to get that you know to, to get that connection you know and he's a he's a god-fearing man but he's also dealing with uh ptsd so i guess to summarize that is there uh what do you recommend and and i would like both of you guys too to comment on this what do you recommend about uh or two individuals that feel as though it's too late okay Go ahead, you go. Never go ahead. too late. Okay. As long as there's breath in your body, there's an opportunity to be the best person that you can be. Never too late. I mean, I 
because I feel like the 30-year-old me is not the same as the 20-year-old me and the 40-year-old me. I know it's not for sure it's the 30-year-old me, and I'm grateful for that. But there's also things that come come in those stages of life. So it's never too late. If you feel it today, call today, go today, be better today so you can be the better person, the person that you want to be tomorrow. I always tell my young clients, the decisions and lifestyles you choose in your 20s will be the life you live in your 30s. What you choose to do in your 30s is the life you'll live in your 40s. So if you keep prolonging getting the help that you need, it's hard for you to walk into that authentic life and freeing life to me that you deserve. Absolutely. What you got, doctor? I I I, I agree with Sharita 100%. Um, I, while I'm not one who lives with, I regret this, I don't have regrets. Everything I believe happens for a reason, but... I could say, I wonder what would have happened if at 11 years old, I told somebody. Mm. Where, how, what would the trajectory of my life have been? I'm, I, you know, what, what might I have, have I accomplished? I'll, I'll never know, and that's okay, because I just keep moving forward, but would might have been but you know what you also have a testimony right because just think about the individuals that have been through that and they are still holding on to it think about the men too okay it happens it happens right and it may happen to a individual female or male individuals in their own home you get what i mean and by being able to share that story may uh somehow some way uh liberate another individual to want to have that conversation. So, and, and I know that's right. Like what if you did talk to someone and, and they listened and they believed you, you get what I mean? You can obviously hindsight is always 2020, but at the end of the day, your story can enlighten someone else's life, you know, and just being on right now, both of you women, beautiful women, right? Black therapists matter straight up. This is, this is helping individuals in more ways than one. Larry, what you got homie? Hello, it's me again. And I wanted to share that, like, I told you, I listen to Eric Thomas a lot, and I, I kind of like like his message. And it's just, it's funny that we're talking to somebody in education and somebody dealing with therapists. His, one of the things I posted today was he was sharing a story about how when he was coming up, his stepfather, he learned that his real father was his stepfather, as far as the marriage goes, because mama married somebody that wasn't his biological father. And when he found that out at like 12, 13 years old, he started being rebellious because he felt like his mom lied to him his whole life. So he ended up dropping out of school, running away the whole nine. And he and it was a pastor that said to him, he kept asking him, hey, have you gotten your GED? Have you gotten your GED? And he finally ended up like questioning him. Like my family, I come from a family, we don't do education. Like three out of the 20 folks that had graduated high school, you know, that's it. So the, the point I'm getting to, and he ended up, you know, becoming a doctor and a motivational speaker and all that. But the point I'm getting to is, for you guys, education, therapists, when you see kids and the change in behavior that they have and we don't know what they're dealing with in their homes from poverty to bullying to, you know, fitting in to peer pressure to you name it, what are some things that you want to recommend to your parents to like kind of key in on that kind of stuff that your child may need to seek some type of counseling, you know, for common folks anyway, because if the parents are the ones that are culprit of this issue, they're not going to see it. But for the common folks that you recognize a change in your teenage or your young child's behavior and you think that they need to go see somebody, what do you say to those parents? Um, well, for me, 
because I was in the educational field and and became a counselor in the school system, and while I'm not a clinician, I have an understanding and, and know what was going on. So I guess I was able to take what happened in my past and real, even though I needed to come to the realization that I needed help, I knew that there were therapists out there. I knew that there were mental health counselors out there. So I was able to refer parents. You know, when, I, when, a, when a child would come into my office with a disciplinary issue and I could sit and I could talk to them, I can see behind their mask. And then when we talk to the parents, instead of coming to the parents, your child did so-and-so and so-and-so, let's talk about home. Let's talk about some other things that are going on. And as an educator was able to help in my roles to decrease the disciplinary system, the school to prison pipeline, the suspensions and expulsions, because I understood very early on that it was children that looked like me, they were black children, they were the ones being suspended, they were the ones being expelled. And so for every opportunity that I had, every opportunity that I had, I did what needed to be done so that I could keep that child from getting getting expelled and then getting the help that they needed. That was that was my role. So nice. Go ahead. Sarita, you got something to add to that? Right, because I don't think every child necessarily needs therapy right away. I think children have a natural resiliency that they are lucky to have, you know. But I also think, because sometimes I think to myself, maybe he needs a mentor. Maybe they need to join some type of athletic program. Maybe they need to, sometimes young people, especially now, uh, they don't know where they fit traditional things that we all used to do are not in style anymore. You know, there were people that used to play the piano and like fit in the drums and felt proud and, you know, were in the band and people felt good about that kind of stuff. People played basketball and were proud. Now it's not as in. So I think young people are like, where do I fit? So before therapy, now if it's trauma, obviously counselor. That's a direct, direct, do not pass, go, don't collect $200. But with some things, it don't. It, everything is not run to therapy. Let's look into other means. Have I even talked to my child? Let's try communication. Yo, I was just going to say that because a lot of times there's individuals that feel as though they can't connect with their children or they're avoided. So basically they're just going to throw money at the situation where in actuality their child just may want their attention. They just want to say, hey, look, I love you. I see you, you know. Hey, I see you doing this little dance. It it don't look like nothing to me inside, but I love you for doing it type of thing. You you know what I mean? So, no, that makes a lot of sense. Wow. That brings up a good point, right? So not more so from a conversational standpoint, but for the kids, what advice can you offer to parents to look at some of their habits, their movements, some of those things that are not verbal, communications that they can kind of pick up on it. What kind of information or experience can you offer up to them for things to look for for their own children? So for me, because I do work with parents and, and provide parent training, it's exactly what you said. Look at their behaviors. Look at the things that they're doing. But I also teach parents, you know, when we got in the car or got off the school bus, how was, how was school? That was the question our parents had for us. So I teach parents to ask open-ended questions. Tell me, especially for the little ones, tell me people that you talked to today. Tell me three things you learned at school today. Tell me three activities you did. Start asking 
open-ended questions to, to bring about a conversation. Sit with your child. Can you turn the TV off at dinner? Can you sit at the table that you have that's just for decoration? No technology at dinner. No technology after 8 o'clock. Why does an eight-year-old, first of all, why do they need to be up till 11? They're not even physically developed enough to be up that late. Well, why do they need to be on the phone talking to anybody or playing a game? And you know what? I think some of that comes from parents not knowing what to do. So they want to be their friends instead of their parents. You get what I mean? And then when the rebellions, when the the, the rebellion come, now they mad. Now they want to lay hands on their baby or whatever the case is. Or just want to avoid dealing with them, period. Yeah, or or want to avoid it. Let the phone phone babysit. Yeah, or the TV. You know what I'm talking about? And I think our generation, I hate to say it, kind of made the mistake of that we could do it better than our parents. Right. So So there it is. What happened to whooping? Hold on. I almost got turned. Listen, what what happened? I think we made a big... I think we made a big mistake, for lack of a better word. I think that we started to, you know, the more we read, the more educated we got, the more we got out into the world, we decided that the way grandma and auntie did it wasn't right anymore. And I don't agree with that. I believe that, you know, just like for me, I remember talking to a friend of mine and I said, oh, you know, how does dinner go? And she goes, girl, we don't eat dinner. We ain't set at the table for dinner my kids never have sat and ate at the table for dinner. And I was just telling her that even in the, in the, in the eighties, you know, we used to cook, my mother cooked dinner. We watched Bill Cosby. We sat at a table, but the thing about sitting at the table is multiple things. Number one, it gives conversation. Like she said, number two, you notice things on your kids. You look different. Your hair changed. Is that a hickey on your neck? What mm. happened here? Mm. It gives you an opportunity to look at each other. It also gives an opportunity to model what family life should look like. And that is parents. If we can have both of them, that would be awesome. You know, that is communication with between people. What I like, what I don't like. We used to talk about current events at the table. You know, if the Cosby show was on, you would say, what do you think about what Vanessa did? It generated authentic conversation. So when you look at this generation, it is not. 80% of it, I would say, is probably not even their fault. It's us thinking that we could do a better job by forgetting what our aunties and our big mamas taught us about being proud about cooking, even cooking. It's like, well, if you've never sat at the table and cooked with your child, now COVID-19, you confused with why they don't know how to do anything but microwave. And well, that's, why, that's why they don't know how to make macaroni and cheese. Message. Anyway, <laughs> hey, Foots. <laughs> Go ahead, Foots. <laughs> Oh man, since we still on that, we talk about family. Since we still talking about family and everything like that. Hey, um, what, what the hell was you, you doing? Think, <laughs> no, I wasn't doing nothing. I wasn't doing nothing. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Um, uh, can can mental illnesses be passed hereditary? Can they be passed down? What? Damn, I mean, I would think so, and I, I'm not a psychologist or a doctor, but I mean, there was a study that was done, and you guys can chime in. There was a study that was done with uh, mice. I don't know if you guys heard this, right? So basically, the mice was put into a trap, and every time they would uh, sniff this, uh, this, this, whatever it was, like, like a little bait, whatever, every time they sniff it and they try to go after it, boom, they get shot. They get shocked. And then every time they get that smell, they get shocked or, you know, they they feel it like, okay, I'm not going to go there because now I'm afraid. So what happened was they end up mating 
that mice, that mouse with another one, and then the off-breed, right? When they had children or little baby mice, they did the same thing, and they can they monitored the heart rate of the baby mice. And so the baby mice felt as though they they was automatically scared, like and it, it was like an instinct, like they didn't know why, but it was just passed down, passed down. So that was just a study. I don't know how true it is, yeah. but I mean, yeah. Sarita, what would you think? Oh, go ahead, Herm. Oh, what'd you think? No, I'm going to say it's true. And I'm not a mouse or nothing, but I, I mean, I didn't grow up <laughs> around my dad. Yeah. I didn't grow up around my dad. I know my dad, but I didn't grow up around him. But I know that I got almost all of his characteristics. You know what I'm saying? As I'm getting older, I'm like, man, I'm selfish like him. I'm dislike him. I'm dislike him. So my, my father had a mental illness or something like that. I'm pretty sure that I would, you know what I'm saying? It would not, it's not a, Past me to think that that wouldn't be passed down to me as well. well you know what I mean? You, well, you know, and I'm glad that you just identified that. Now it makes sense. Well, pops can't sing either. Bruh, he can't sing. Can't sing. Ball headed and he crazy as hell. It's okay. But Sarita, <laughs> what would you what you think about that though? As far as illness, mental illness being uh, passed down. So mental illness obviously can be passed down from generations, but I'm not going. So if you're aware of that, especially. Mm, there's certain mental illnesses for sure. We won't even get into that because I've worked, like I said, with people with schizophrenia and those kind of things. And those kind of are a different kind of a trait that are passed down. But then there's also just modeling of toxic behaviors, even in the mice. There, that's positive and negative reinforcement. That's modeling. So that that's all tied in there. So for sure, there is a genetic component, just like anything else. There is a genetic component to mental illness, but I also want people to be clear that there's a difference between mental health and mental illness. Mm. And sometimes in our community, we kind of sit around and say, just like my clients sometimes tell me I'm bipolar. I'm like, who, who told you that? Who, who diagnosed you? Right. Cause you have to be diagnosed. Right. Okay. And they got it from Google or their friend said, you really moody. Well, moody is not a symptom of, and not a single symptom of being a bipolar. So when you talk about mental illness, we use a diagnostic statistic manual that means that you had a group of symptoms for a long period of time, and then it justifies you into having a certain mental illness, right? And then mental health is more like a, like Yvette said, it's more like a health check. I'm, I'm kind of went through a divorce and now I need to kind of talk and get through some things or, you know what I mean? I lost my job and I'm not feeling myself. I've gained a lot of weight, transitions and adjustments. A lot of things, most people are just really going through transitions and adjustments, but there are people with mental illness. And those things, again, have to do with duration, number one, because people always say, I, I'm depressed. And I say, how long have you been feeling this way? They say, well, two weeks. Well, that ain't that's depressed. depressive symptoms, right. not depression. Right. Okay. And then, and then, it, shit, it was probably gas. But what you got, Herm? So my question is for um, first for Dr. Harris, and then also for um, Sharita. Uh, in your book, you talked about how myth, your, your your mental mind state was affecting your marriage, and how um, you got away from your core. Now, my my castmates know that I'm not a big reader. So I was doing my best to try to read those little few pages. That Man, listen, he's not. But, he's but, not. but it, somebody ain't reading it to me, I don't get it. But anyway, in your book, it, it talked about the troubles it had in your marriage. So I want you to talk about that. And I also want Sharita to talk about how she deals with couples that come to see her. Like, what are the common trends or, you know, 
things where you see you got real issues with your marriage or maybe y'all really don't, y'all just had a disagreement. So, again, it, like Sharita said earlier, the bag lady, because I didn't deal with that first trauma, there were other traumas that happened in my life. And let me first say this about trauma. Trauma is subjective. Uh, in, my, in my dissertation, I found some of the black males had experienced, they had experienced levels that were traumatic to them. Everything from moving to a different neighborhood and going to a different school down to one of their parents dying and everything in between that happened to each person. So trauma subject subjective. What happens to one person, it may be just like Sharita said, it may be something mental health, but that same thing happens to another person and it may cause a break. Okay. So for me and my marriage, having not dealt with that major traumatic issue, everything else that happened in my life, I continue to hold in. I continue to hold it in. And even at times when I saw the school counselor, I would just talk about stupid stuff because I knew the issue that I was too afraid to bring up. So I would come up with all kinds of stuff because one of the things that I learned how to do because of that first traumatic experience was become a master manipulator. And so when you take manipulation and along with all of the other trauma and the things that I had settled into a relationship with a person that over the years you found out about some traumatic issues that they hadn't yet dealt with because we were in the military when we met and you know, the military is not you, you go to therapy. If you want to, you might find yourself medically discharged depending upon what you say. So, you know, here we have these two people that are coming together that have these issues. Neither one of us have had, had any type of therapy or any type of mental health or any type of counseling together. And it's, it just exploded or I should say imploded. Wow. Go ahead, Ms. Sharita. You got something to add? Uh, the thing about uh, marital counseling, I remember that's all I wanted to do when I first went to school when my teacher said, you're making the biggest mistake of your life if you decide to spend your life, your counseling journey doing that, because it is difficult to do marital counseling. But one of the things I want to say about marital counseling is it's just like with kids. Anytime somebody calls me, me and my husband need to come in, I always say, first, let me see you. Then let me see your husband. And then we're going to see everybody together. Because what I've noticed about couples is they're not always even on the same accord. Like, they don't both know why they're coming. They both don't have the same end game. And I like to be transparent and authentic. Like, I've seen people say, no, really, I plan on divorcing him. I just am coming to counseling so that it'll be a good crutch for when I take my next step. Well, that, that's not fair. Hold on. That's really? Not- <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. Bro, you got to think about, you can only imagine what all the stuff a counselor's really heard. I know, but but I mean, so basically, they go into a counselor not to get fixed, but just to basically, you know, help them, you know, soften the blow. But to be honest, most people do that. A lot of people are going to counseling to act like they tried their best in their marriage. They go to counseling to, to, to you know, to help not tell the truth about something else. Really, they use us a lot for, for you know, and to seem like they're evolved. I, I now I go to a therapist. Damn. Hold on. Okay. You know what? Hey, hold on. That's about to. 
that's about to hurt some feelings and it's okay they need to be hurt but uh, let me go real quick to you uh i'm gonna ask you first will to answer your uh, to ask your questions but yvette said something earlier that i think individuals don't um think about all right especially coming into the military coming into the military is in fact to certain people a traumatic experience understand you're coming from you're leaving everything that you know if you're not you know a military brat or whatever you go you're coming from you're leaving everything that you know going to a foreign land okay probably first time you was on a plane was going to basic training okay going to Lackland or whatever and then now you're taking that bit of information and try to rip that away from you right right because you need to conform Okay, and be uniform. Now you're going to another place where you're learning stuff, and now you have individuals, you're communicating with individuals that have their own set of rules and language. Okay, and they don't care where you really came from. Some people don't. They don't give a shit where you came from. There's AFIs and there's rules. You need to follow this. I don't care what you do, but you need to follow that. So now here I am. I'm using myself, for example, coming from the east side of Detroit. Okay. Going to Lackland and then going to Whiteman Air Force Base. If you don't know what that is, that's right in the middle of Missouri. The first thing I saw was the little balls of things rolling around in the grass. I asked the partner, what is that? It, he said it was turkeys. Only turkey I saw was on Thanksgiving. I ain't never seen one in real life. You feel me? So my whole life was gone but it was an experience okay so i was dealing with individuals at work that back home i would not normally deal with so i want all our viewers to keep in mind that you may feel as though that you just don't fit in or something's not right that is in fact a traumatic experience and unfortunately the military feel as though or some individuals may take that as you being defiant when that's not the case, it's like you want to do great. Don't nobody wake up and say, hey, I want to be a dirtbag every day. However, I need to connect with you. All right. And this is how I communicate. And this just want to throw that out there. Go ahead. Yo, you, gave me, you gave me a new VA claim, man. I appreciate it. Oh, that. there you go. Hey, hey, hey yo, give, give me yo. that check. I'll take five dollars off of that. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, Will, what you got, bro? Oh, you still muted. Hold on. Go, go, hold on, hold on, bro, hold on, hold on. I think you mute. All right. All right, I'm good now. Right. So, like I said, you made a valid point, man, where you got to be adaptive to individuals and recognize where they come from, the influence, their connectivity. But, hey, Sarita, you had alluded to earlier that we decided that we changed up the method as it becomes the discipline. First off, who is we? And I still believe in whooping your kid ass. I don't care what they say. So I just wanted to get that off, let you know that, hey, we, we, we are here. We're from St. Louis. You got to show them kids that, Hey, you can't go over me. You got to show them discipline, else the streets will. That's, that's all I got on that one. <laughs> you, you know what? That, no, you still muted, but I don't want you to, you know, utilize that just by abusing kids, man, because we got people watching. You going to jail. But anyway, I'm a reporter, but with that being said, right. <laughs> I wasn't just talking about whoopings. I'm really talking about values. Yeah. And I, I think we've thrown some of our values out of the door because we thought we could do it better. And I think our kids are suffering the consequences of our choices. Yeah. Go ahead. Go, go, go ahead, work. Yvette. What you got, Yvette? Well, and, and so... First of all, I'll say it was because of some of those values that my mom and some of those ways that she ran her household, that's what got me through basic training. 
where I saw other people crying. I That's mean, true. Tears. Yo, hey, the T.I. ain't had nothing on Big Mama. You feel me? Nothing. I was laughing. For real. that, all of that. I was like, well, you, you, you don't even know how to yell at me. I'm good. <laughs> now, I'll, I'll go over to my, my years in education. And, Will, one of the things that I had to learn how to do as an educator was to to find different ways to deal with children because I took my values from home, growing up in a black family from Philly, parents old school, old school. I wasn't abused, um, but I was spanked. But I wasn't abused, but I was spanked. However, um, between the, my values at home and my value, my, my what I learned in the military and then taking it into a classroom with some teenagers. Oh, you was you was lit. You had it. Who were, who were dealing with their stuff from home, and that was the reason for their behaviors in school. I had to quickly learn that I was the one who needed to make the adjustment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so as I did that and 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 molded myself and established those relationships so that they would know like and trust me then that's when they were able to open up. And so I learned over the years some other strategies outside of corporal punishment that I'm able to give to parents so that they have some things at home. And especially now, you know, first people are saying, you know, uh, uh, child abuse and and some domestic violence things are down. They're only down because people are not reporting. But when we come out of the house, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, I, my these babies, my heart is going is bleeding for them every day for the ones whose school is their safe place. Yo, and that was another thing too. I'm glad you hit on that because there we have to give a special shout out to those that are dealing with certain things due to this COVID and that school was a safe place, you know, uh, going to those counselors, that was a safe place and, and, and it's very unfortunate. But before I go to you, Herm, I do want to let individuals know if you have received help, okay, if you have received help, do not be afraid to be a witness to the youth okay so that's what i really do pride uh not just myself but the individuals in the lion's den we're from different walks of life however we don't have a problem talking about our shortcomings but where i came from is not where i'm going i had to go through in order to get through y'all know what it's about but don't be you know shifty and feel like oh i didn't fix me so i'm straight no it's it's bigger than you. This is bigger than you. Okay. This is bigger than you. There's individuals that need your voice. There's individuals that need your, that, that need your love. They need your attention and they, they need your story. Okay. So if there's individuals out there that have received help, share that seriously say, Hey, I don't know if you tried this, but this has worked for me. You're not a counselor, right? You're not licensed. You're not a doctor. You're not an LPC, right? You're, you're, you're not that. But what you are is an individual that is willing to communicate out of love. And so I'm going to move over to Larry. What you got, Larry? Last word, bro. What you got? Hey, last word. I told you, Dr. Harris, Counselor Shelby, I told you I was going to be an epic show. And I'm just I'm just glad you guys were a part of it. I felt good when I joined it, when, I, when we first logged on. And I was right. So I just want to say thank you guys for being on the show. I learned a lot. I'm, I'm sure our audience learned a lot. And I hope to have you guys back on here again. So thank you. 
Most definitely, most definitely. So, Doctor, you got any any words? If, but yet, if anybody wanted to follow you or to get any information from you, where, where can they go? So, best way to reach me is via email. I, again, I'm old school, so you can um, call me, 909-578-0970, or you can email me at yharris at edr, the number four, the letter U, dot com. yharris at edr4u.com. Right on. Hey, and for those of y'all that didn't catch that, how about you watch it again and share it? Nah, that's what you're going to do. You feel me? Hey, so, Michelle B., thank you. Thank you. What you got, man? Where can individuals find you? And now, listen, we already had, we talked before as far as everybody flooding your, your, your phone lines. Now, 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 after this, you probably go get some, some people from all over, the, all over the world that they got issues or that just want to talk, right? So, but where can they find you? Well, the best way to communicate with me right now, you can you can hit my email up. It's my first and last name at Yahoo. I keep it simple and I'm pretty accessible. So reach out if you need that or if you need some validation on how to move forward. Don't give up. Keep going and do better than what the people before you did. So. Got you. Right on. Right on. Hey, so listen, everybody, we want to thank y'all and hopefully y'all enjoyed this show. This was um, boy. This, this this was this was it. This was it. Oh, Ms. Yvette, what you got? So one of the things I wanted to let people know, and I know um, Sharita will probably agree with this, you know, when it comes to African-Americans getting therapy, if you have a job and you have benefits on your job, you can call your member services on the back of your benefits card and most major medical plans. Now you have the capacity and the freedom to not only say I want to get mental health, but you can say you want a black female or a black male therapist. And they'll have one in their network. And that way you can see somebody. One of the things for me, I had to be able to see a therapist because I don't like to do the corporate shuffle after five o'clock. And I needed to be able to see a therapist that when I use my language, after my after five language, they won't look at me and they'll understand exactly what I'm saying. Mm. So I see a black female therapist. So you have that freedom now with your benefits and even through the VA. I said I wanted a black female therapist. Research one for yourself. Find out what medical benefits that they take. And if they don't give you homework, get another therapist. That's right. And and also I see down there, yes, you're absolutely right. Military one source. And you know what? Sometimes we forget that. You can say, hey, I'm straight. I need somebody else, right? Hey, you know what? They might have a little attitude, but so what? It's your life. You ain't there to kiss nobody ass. You know, you're trying to get right. And so you need and people that can relate. I want to add one thing for free. You can see the employee assistance program. So for free, a mm-hmm. lot of people have unused benefits mm. with their employer that's absolutely free. And that's what I do for the post office. So it's the employee assistance program. So it, you don't even have to pay a copay. It's built into, you know, your company is already paying therapists on staff to support you in that so don't forget about that and of course for people who are hurt i just gotta say it too suicide awareness hotline is available for everybody to talk 24 hours a day during COVID 19 and there's even a new text crisis line that you can text for help 24 hours a day so awesome. please utilize local resources and, and nationwide resources to get through difficult times awesome i love it i love it herm what you got bro so so 
at the end of this show, I just want everybody to know, man, the stigma of getting help for mental health, it's got to go away. You know what I'm saying? Those days are the past. You know what I'm saying? Like like uh, Sharita said earlier, strong people get help. You know what I mean? Strong people get help. They recognize, yo, I'm weak in this area. It's like if you it, like going to the gym. I need to get I need to get stronger. Your mental health needs to get stronger. How do you do that? Let's get rid of that stigma, man. Let's get help when we need it. That's all I wanted to say. Absolutely. Thank you too for coming to the show today. Much needed. You know, y'all y'all knocked it out the park. And I, I hope everybody got what they needed from this show. I hope so, too. And you know what? Again, I just want to echo that. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, y'all really, really got it in. Okay. Y'all got it in. And I mean, the comments. So this is what I encourage you guys to do. Go back to the Lions Den or to your pages. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of comments in there. Please engage with these with our individuals and the fans. Everyone that's watching now, we appreciate y'all. Hopefully you enjoyed this show. And this was a little bit longer, but it was so necessary. It's so much good information. And the unfortunate part is we wait for a specific month to talk about this, which is crap. All right. Because we deal with things every day. It's like February. Why? 365. It's like this. It don't come off. You feel me? So how about we do this more often and at the lion's den or any other platform? And if they not doing it, ask them why they're not doing it. You feel me? Because it's important to us. So with that being said, on behalf of the lion's den, we love y'all and we will see y'all on the flip flop. Holla. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Make sure to listen to the show on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, and Radio Public, where you can subscribe or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you like or dislike this episode, we'd appreciate your feedback on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Lionscast. Check out the book, The Black Collar Mindset, the Art of Strategic Thinking on Amazon or www.theblackcollarmindset.com A manual to maneuver through life strategically by holding yourself accountable. Tune in next week for another episode of The Lion's Den with Seth. <laughs>